Are you ready to make a difference in the world? Join Cross Catholic Outreach, where compassion meets action. They're on a mission to end poverty and transform lives. With your support, they can provide food, clean water, education, and hope to those in need. Every donation counts. Every act of kindness matters. Together, we can create a brighter future for vulnerable communities. Visit crosscatholic.org today and be the change you want to see. Cross Catholic Outreach, turning compassion into lasting impact. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to this episode of A Catholic's Perspective, the podcast all about being a young Catholic surviving in a secular world. Today, we have a very interesting topic. This is a topic that a lot of people have reached out to me about over email, and we're discussing veiling today. So this is a little bit more for the ladies, but men, I highly suggest you stick around because you might learn something as well and then be able to communicate that to the person you're dating, your wife, or your sister doesn't matter. Any woman in your life will do. Um, And today, to discuss this topic with us, I have with me Cecilia Blackwell. She's a good friend of mine. We just did a veil collab this year, which was amazing. We did the Memento Mori veils. So welcome, Cecilia. Thank you for being on here with us. Thank you so much for having me on, Amber. This is an honor. Obviously, yeah. I mean, like, I would obviously have you on like all the time because I feel like we have so much to talk about. But um, (laughs) I know we just did that veil collab and it was so good. I had so many great reviews. Everybody loved them. You handmade like, what was that? 35, 40 veils. That was a lot. It was fun. It was fun. They were very beautiful. I enjoyed doing them and the significance and the meaning behind all of them was just really special. And yeah, no, it was really fun. I'm glad that people liked them so much. Yeah, people love them. I was surprised because, you know, with veils and stuff, usually with my other things, I didn't really hear that much back. I heard like, oh, thank you, you know, blah, blah, blah. But with the veils, everyone was like, this is amazing. My wife loves this. Like, it was just so cool to see how many people really loved your stuff. So keep doing what you're doing. And um, also, little tip is next year, we will also be having another limited edition veil drop. So stay tuned for that. We will. (laughs) So for those who might not know you, did you want to introduce yourself to listeners real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, I'm Cecilia Blackwell. I am a freelance music teacher, seamstress and writer in central Pennsylvania. Um, I'm also a middle school youth minister part time as well. I I wear a lot of hats. I do a lot of things. (laughs) Um, I think the term for it nowadays is like multi-passionate. I prefer the term Renaissance woman. I think that's more fun and glamorous. And I love it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I do, do a lot of different stuff. Um, I have an Instagram platform where I write a lot about beauty, truth, and goodness, um, being made in the image and likeness of God and all that good stuff um, at Missionary of Beauty. And then I have a veil business called Ave Maria Veilco. Um, and one thing that I do with it that I think is unique to a lot of veil companies is that every single veil I make is totally one of a kind. I don't make another one. Um, and I do this because I'm so incredibly drawn to the concept of the Imago Dei and how we're all uniquely made in God's image and likeness. Like a friend of it, a friend of mine described it to me once in college as like thinking of how, you know, a diamond has many facets and you can almost thinking of think of like God having different facets that we each of us uniquely ref- reflect and and every one of us is going to reflect a different facet. No one else is going to. So, you know, that's why it's so important to cultivate an understanding of that, because it can really impact the way 
then you approach being a Christian witness to the world because nobody else is going to do it the way that you do it. No one else has done it the way you do it and no one else will do it the way you do it. So um, it, it brings to mind, you know, in the book of Esther, like you were made for such a time as this. So mm. yeah, that's a bit I about love that. my, my veils. No, it's amazing. Cause I think it's so important that everybody has that unique individualism especially these days where everyone's kind of made the same it's so cookie cutter mm -hmm. we see that with celebrities and everything and with our faith we have the saints of as an example like not one of them is cookie cutter or the same and they yes. lead the example that you know you might you know you might connect with one a little bit better than the other because of a hobby or a shared interest that they were um into when they were on earth but for the most part, it's like we're all different. And I love that about your company. And that's what stood out to me when I was like looking for people to do these limited drops with. I was like, I want something unique, somebody who's like passionate about what they do. They're, they have a message, you know, they're not just doing it for a buck, you know, a quick buck. Cause I see a lot of people who do that as well. And, um, obviously I can't judge their intentions or anything, but I noticed that the quality is not good. They don't love what they do. It, and it shows through their work, you know, and yours was definitely one of those things where everything was super high quality and one and done is like so interesting. You don't see that, you know, anywhere. And so it really stood out to me. So, yeah, that's, that's how I met. Uh, that's how I found you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it's awesome. So uh, kind of diving into our topic for everyone listening, what's kind of like your own story of veiling? How did you get started? All that fun stuff. Yeah. So back in my junior year of college, I went to a Catholic college and there were a lot of women who veiled. And I remember being struck by it in mass one day and being like, wow, this is so beautiful. And I felt this little tug on my heart to start veiling, but I knew that if I was going to commit to it, I needed to commit to it full time and not just at school. I needed to do that back home too at my home parish where like maybe three women veiled, you know, and I was not quite mature enough or ready to stand out at my home parish in that way. So I put it off for about two years until my first year of grad school, when ironically, I ended up back in my hometown for grad school. So I was going to my home parish, you know, for daily mass and all of that. And one day the Lord was just like, so why haven't you started mailing yet? And I was like, <laughs> okay, fine. I'll do it now. You know, and so I went to Joanne Fabrics and I got some lace and I made myself a veil based off of some tutorials that I found online, which weren't very good. But my grandma gave me a really good sewing background when I was young. So I was able to figure it out um, more or less. It was a little bit rocky at first, <laughs> my first attempts at making veils. Um, but some of my friends then noticed my veil and was like, oh my gosh, where did you get it? I, like, And I was like, oh, I made it, you know? And I started getting requests from my friends to make them veils. So I, hmm. I made a few more. Um, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so much fun. I love doing this. And so in my second year of grad school, I started Ave Maria Veil Co. And I was like, I'm just going to make five veils. And if people like them, then, you know, and they buy them, then I'll make some more. And they sold out within about 12 hours. And I was like, wow. okay. I'll make more and, you know, haven't stopped. But one cool thing, um, since I started bailing at my parish, it's been about three years now, I'm still at that parish. And 
there was probably about, I want to say five women total that veiled at my parish when I started. And now it's catching on. There's probably a good 25 women and girls who veil there now. Um, and it's really cool to see now at Sunday mass, like you can see like all these different veils now. And it's it's not like a Latin mass community or anything. It's, a, you know, your typical Novus Ordo parish, but the veiling is really catching on there. So I think that's wow. really cool. Yeah, you're planting the seeds. And I think that's what's so important is it's like so many people are so afraid to veil. I've noticed yeah. that. I mean, I get tons of comments about that. They're like, I'm too scared because I'm the only one in my parish who's veiling. And it's like, you know, at some point you kind of have to realize that it's for God, not for mm -hmm. the people who are, you know, in your parish, I guess. It's, yeah. it's, a special thing between you and God. And I think that's what really people are missing is when they feel fear in it. And yeah, you're probably going to get some judging looks. I mean, if you're the only one in the parish veiling, I've been there and it's like, <laughs> sometimes I'll be there and I'll just be like, uh, but I was in Colorado uh, this year for a thing with Focus Missionaries. And I was going to this Novus Ordo parish and it was one of those churches that was whitewashed and there was like no real statues and everything but yeah i was questioning veiling because every single time i'd gone to a parish like this usually people would just stare at me or you know give me the look or tell me that i was being prideful and so i wore it and the sweetest old lady like she was super shaky and she was super cute she's like i used to wear one of those your veil is so pretty and it oh, was just like so the cute. cutest thing the cutest thing and i'm like you know what yeah it is. And you know what? It might inspire somebody, even if someone doesn't say anything. And so um, it's one of those things that's very near and dear to my heart. And I washed my veils recently and I haven't put one back in my car. So I need to do that. But anyways, uh, <laughs> but that's I think it's just really important that people learn, you know, the importance of veiling and why we veil, you know. Yeah. So what um, do you have like a brief history of veiling, like how it kind of sparked into what we have today sort of thing? Yeah, um, it's it is pretty brief actually because essentially, you know, you you look at Saint Paul's. I think it's his letter to one of his letters to the Corinthians. I should have mm -hmm. looked it up beforehand, but I I know what the verse is, and it's it's uh, talking about you know women covering their heads while praying, and he's really talking about the mass here. Um, and so it's been customary for most of church history to for women to wear veils um, in the presence of the Eucharist. Um, you can do it more often if you want, but that's just been, you know, traditionally the custom. Um, a lot of people think it was removed with Vatican II. That's actually not true. Vatican II did not remove the requirement to veil. Um, but there was a lot of misinformation that was spread mm -hmm. after the council. And one of that was, you know, this, are we wearing veils anymore? We're not wearing veils anymore, you know, and a lot of women ditched them. And so as a result, the code of canon law in 1983 ended up removing the requirement to veil and it's now optional, um, which they, they, they can do. It's, it's a valid thing for the church to do because veiling is a, lowercase t tradition, one that's not infallible dogma or doctrine or anything like that. Um, it's it's totally fine for them to remove that. Um, it's not, you know, going against any specific doctrine here. But that's basically just the brief history. And I will say, like, before Vatican II, I've had a lot of conversations with elderly women about veiling. And mm. 
the the practice was kind of getting abused in the years leading leading up to Vatican II. To like just the idea of having a head covering. Like I have so I've talked to so many women in their seventies and eighties who remember going to Catholic school and if they had forgotten a head covering for daily mass, they wore a tissue or a napkin, which isn't really very reverent at all. No. <laughs> um, so I think that there there was there was a lot of that going on as well. So um yeah, that's pretty much it though. Yeah. I mean I think it's important, you know, it's an interior conversion. You know, it's something yes. that you want to do because you want to be closer to God and you seek that reverence. And I do believe that, you know, all women should veil. I think that's something that is important, but I don't think you should do it out of, you know, fear or you should do it because you, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, it's reverent, but people shouldn't be forced to. And so I think yeah, that's exactly. what it really comes down to. And exactly. just because I think they should doesn't mean people should be forced to. It just means that I think it's a reverent way of showing your, you know, uh, respect for God and that, you know, your obedience to him and you are a bride of the church. And I think that, you know, comes down to like, what does veiling signify? Because a lot of people, when I go to like a Novus Ordo parish, not all the time, but sometimes people will say that I'm being holier than thou or prideful because I'm wearing a veil. And it's like, well, that's not that's not the purpose at all. But what does veiling signify? Yeah, so um, there are a couple different things that veiling signifies. But my my personal favorite is, you know, Jesus in the Eucharist. Well, he, first of all, he veils himself in the Eucharist through mm -hmm. the presence of the bread and wine. You know, this um, the substance being changed, but good old transubstantiation, right? But then also in the tr the tabernacle, he's then veiled as well um, when the Eucharist is put in the tabernacle. So Jesus being the source of life, we as women have a special ability, to the capacity to carry life within us. And so veiling then is a way that we can kind of unite ourselves a little bit more closely with Christ in a way that men can't because men don't have that capacity to carry life within themselves. So that's my personal favorite. I think it's I love that. It's so beautiful, you know, how we can carry life and Jesus is the source of life. And so we identify more closely with him when we by veiling, you know, in front of the Eucharist. So I just think that's beautiful. That is beautiful. I've never even heard that term, that version before, because I've heard the whole like, oh, well, we veil because things that are holy are veiled. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's beautiful. And yeah, I that's, think that's another great. super common one. Yeah. But like to know that women are the only ones who can veil and because we have a child in us and like it, it's just such a beautiful thing. And I don't think people hear that enough. I think a lot of the times women hear that they need to veil, not a lot, but at least some women have told me that they've been told they need to veil because their hair is distracting during mass and it's distracting yeah. the men. And I'm like, it's the most ridiculous thing ever. What? Like, how is that? If your hair is distracting to a man. That's, that's a problem to not your, your problem, but the man's their problem. problem. Oh my gosh. The amount of people that would tell me that I'm like, that's not what? <laughs> like, yeah. how is that? <laughs> Because like sometimes yeah. I'll just stare at the message and I'll be like, 
okay. Um, because <laughs> it's like, how do you even respond to that yourself? You're like, I know, right? That's not your problem. Or it's yeah. like, I, I've had like people tell me like they got pulled aside, you know, after mass and told that they were being distracted for wearing the veil. And it's like, okay, which one is it? Because yeah, you, can't, you can't win there, you know? No, <laughs> you can't win at all these days in certain areas, but it's, it's there's so many different reasons why people say you should or shouldn't veil, but what are some reasons why women should veil if they're kind of on the fence about it? Well, you know, I think it goes back to, you know, veiling now is is more of a calling because it's not compulsory. We're not required mm. to do it. So I think, you know, I think the most important thing is for every woman to be open to that, you know, and just if if the Lord, she feels the Lord is calling her to that, um, step out in faith. If you're nervous about, you know, veiling, like, and maybe going and investing in a veil that's like, that's a bit bigger. And you're like, well, what if I wear it? And I'm, I'm like, oh, this really isn't for me, you know, right now in my season of life. Um, One thing I recommend is for to either wear like maybe like a hair scarf, like, or like Mm -hmm. a hair kerchief sort of thing, because that's something you might have already in your closet or getting one of those headbands that you can kind of stretch out a bit more like there's extra fabric and like you can it kind of turns into a hair scarf yeah Um, or getting just a smaller like a smaller more simple veil to just just start things out on and and see if you know testing the waters is not necessarily a bad thing you know you don't have to jump all in at once um especially if you're the sort of person that struggles with jumping into something all at once testing the Mm. waters here you know um you know I, I think of like the parable of Christ where he compares faith to a mustard seed you know mustard seeds are teensy tiny it's okay if the only step in faith that you can take is a very very tiny one because the Lord can do a lot with that mm-hmm. um so yeah I would just encourage anyone who's on the fence to consider maybe that you know um I've had women tell me before that they're on the fence because they feel like if they start doing it, it would become a source of pride for them. Mm-hmm. Um, if that might be, you know, a case where that you're, you're, you're dealing with, um, I would definitely encourage either praying the litany of humility on a regular basis and testing out the waters of veiling, maybe with a smaller veil. And if it is a source of pride for you, then, you know, maybe that's a sign to, to stop because veiling shouldn't be about you. It shouldn't be a way to make you seem more holy. Mm. And if the intention of your heart is, if, if that's where that is, then it actually might be a better idea to put pause on veiling. Yeah until you are able to be in a more humble place, um, which is where the litany of humility really comes in handy. (laughs) Um, But that's what I would recommend in in a situation like that. Right. And I think that's really important too, because a lot of people don't look interior to themselves and think, okay, why am I doing this? Because I think a lot of days, a lot of times these days, um, people do things for a certain look. You know, they yes. they do something because they want to look a certain way to other people and the conversion of their heart is still not there. 
And so that can go for anything. And I think that's a really important message. So I'm glad you brought that up because that can go for anything from daily mass, not saying you shouldn't go to daily mass, you should, but it's like, make sure you're paying attention to the conversion of your heart and make sure that you are working on changing it, you know, to not do it for others so that others people see you going to daily mass or veiling or doing all these things, but so that you're doing it for God. Because I think a lot of times we put our peers view of us above what God thinks of us. And that can go for so many things. And I think that's so important. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree with all of that. Um, Yeah, it's like when it becomes like just for outward show, like really any religious practice, that's that's empty works that the Bible talks about. And and we don't want to do that, you know. Um, Now that that is to say, like if you're you're in a place where it's like, okay, I feel like my heart isn't entirely in the right place, but I'm trying, you know, Mm. and you know, you're frequenting the sacraments and praying about it, all of that. Like you don't have to be in the perfect place to start doing something like veiling or, or anything that's more of like an outward show, so to speak, you know, you don't have to be in that perfect place, but you should be actively trying to cooperate with God's grace so that mm. you can grow and experience that conversion of heart towards humility and the other virtues. So, yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I'm glad you threw that in because I think a lot of people, especially scrupulous people, will be like, mm. I'm not in the right form of heart. Like, I'm sinning. It's like, no, 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 calm down, take a chill pill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you're fine. Be gentle with yourself. <laughs> if yes. you deal with scrupulosity, be gentle with yourself. Yes, please, because I think people are too hard on themselves. And, you know, there's a device from everyone about scrupulosity. There are so many people that tell you, you know, you should be ashamed of having it or this or that. It's like, you know what? If you're doing an interior conversion and you are doing your best and you're trying, like God sees that, you know, God knows your heart. You don't need other people to tell you what you are or aren't doing, because then sometimes we can think like, am I doing that? even though we're not. And we'll be like, am I awful? Even though I'm like not doing, you know, they can get in our heads a lot. So I I completely agree with that. And I'm glad that you threw that in there because I think more people need to realize that, you know, even if you have scrupulosity and it's not fun to have, I had it a little bit. My fiance has it way worse than I do. Mm, Um, It it can really impact like your faith life. And so other people kind of pitching in on like what they think your scrupulosity means or what you're doing because of it can make it a lot worse. So yeah. Yeah. But I know a lot of people also kind of talk about actually on Twitter or X, whatever, whatever it is now, (laughs) a lot of people have been like debating the whole veil color thing. I've noticed that quite a lot Mm. where people are like, Oh, I can wear whatever color I want, or it doesn't matter, or it does matter. And if you want to find a boyfriend and you're single, wearing a black veil is not going to help. Or, I mean, there's a load of things. So what do the veil colors mean? And is it important to follow them? Like nowadays, what is like the guidelines with all of that? People seem really confused. Okay. Yeah. So I've done a lot of research into this and I've talked with other veil makers as well um, because there's this idea out there that there's this long-standing tradition that unmarried women wear white veils and married women wear black veils. However, I have not been able to find an ounce of historical evidence to back this up. 
And really? same with other veil makers that I've talked with. And you would think, you know, um, just because like we have we have a lot of historical evidence about a lot of random things. Mm. So you would think that if there is this widespread tradition dating back for centuries, like it's it's claimed to be, we would have things like descriptions of it in a feast day description from some author or, you know, whatever, um, someone's diary. I don't know. You know, there, there would be evidence out there, like primary source documents to back this up. Right. But I've looked into this, have not been able to find anything. Other veil makers have looked into this, have not been able to find anything. The closest thing that anyone has really been able to come up with is that in religious orders, um, many times like the novices will wear white veils and the fully professed sisters will wear black veils. But even with that, it's not, it doesn't necessarily translate over to unmarried women wearing white veils and married women wearing black veils. So with that being said, um, I do think that there is a nice sort of sentiment behind the idea of like, you know, white is associated with purity and virginity, whereas black is like represents a death to self. And, you know, when you get married, it's a real death to self in your vocation. So I understand the sentiment behind it. And I think that it's it's lovely. And if you feel drawn to that and it helps you express your spirituality and enter into the season of life that you're in um, or your vocation more deeply and uniting that with Christ in the holy sacrifice of the mass, then by all means do it. However, mm-hmm. and this especially goes if you have scrupulosity, do not beat yourself up over not wearing what like supposedly the right color veil is because the reality is is that this tradition just doesn't have historical evidence to back it up with and maybe there is something out there and just it's not like out there on the internet for people to read you know maybe it's like locked up in some like universal (laughs) library or something you know what i mean like the vatican um, archives yeah (laughs) the secret vatican archives (laughs) really say (laughs) what like nobody knows (laughs) Um, but like you know so like like I'm not saying that it's not out there that there isn't something out there however if like there just isn't anything that's publicly accessible to find um and with the claim that it's as widespread as it is there should be some public information on that that we can access and I also just to put one last point with that as well I have noticed that not only in my home parish, but wherever I've gone, which mostly actually is Novus Ordo parishes, when I see older women veil, about 80% of the time they're wearing white veils. And you would think Hmm. that if this was a tradition that, you know, stems back a long time, and these are women who lived pre-Vatican II, like they would have known the tradition was white means unmarried, black means married, you know, and so then why are older married women wearing white veils, you know? So I think there's also, I don't know, I think there's also that. Granted, obviously, I haven't been to every single parish across the United States. So this could just be, you know, circumstantial evidence, you know, that I'm I'm seeing, but it still counts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. So I know, because I mean, I think it's also cool that we can wear different colored veils for different feast days. Yes, I was just about to say that. Like, I love like, doing that. 
I love doing that too, especially with like Marian feast days. I have this, okay. It's like, it's okay. I need, okay. So <laughs> I haven't worn it in like forever, but it's like an electric blue colored veil. And Ooh. everybody at my church could point me out because they knew that I was the only one who ever wore that veil. And so every time I was at mass, people could come up to me because they would be like, oh, can I say hi to Amber? Because I like her stuff, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And my friend would be like, yeah, she's the one wearing the electric blue veil. Just you'll find her if you <laughs> nice. go inside. And lo and behold, it worked every time. Now, I haven't worn it in a long time because it ended up being like a safety issue. Um, you know, mm. it's not great being, you know, a public figure and stranger danger sometimes. But um, after I had that whole issue resolved, we had to get police involved on things. After we had that issue resolved, oh um, I thought about, yeah, yeah. It, there was a few of them. So, it, oh you my know, gosh. few restraining so orders. It's okay. It's, you know what? It comes with the territory. I pray for them. Yeah. I hope that, you know, they do better somewhere else. And yeah. But um, <laughs> anyway, but I definitely loved wearing like the electric blue veil for Marian feast days. But then eventually it just became my favorite. And mm -hmm. then um, I had a red one for Pentecost. Nice. I had like a gold one for Christ the King. Um, nice. It's just like, it's, I love that there are different colors for different feast days. And I think matching your veil to the feast day color is a lot of fun too. Like Lent, you can yeah. wear uh, like a dark purple. Um, Advent, you can wear, what is that? More like a bluish purple because of Mary's. Yeah. Or There's pink like for, for Gaudete Sunday too. You could do yes. pink, you know. <laughs> I love that. And then you can or wear I white. I say rose, not pink. I'm sorry. It's rose. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> Jesus rose from the dead. He didn't pink <laughs> from the dead. <laughs> I said that it was pink once and uh, one of the fathers hit me on the head with a pamphlet. He was like, it's Rose. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Not in like an abusive way. He was just like, yeah. you know, he's just like, yeah, Stop yeah, it. yeah, yeah. You know, I love priests like that. I'm like, I think we need yeah. more priests to hit people on the head with pamphlets because <laughs> just saying, I think it would help a lot. <laughs> But um, I don't know. Yeah, this has been a great conversation. And the last question really, you know, for any of those who have heard this, they're like, you know what, I really want to veil. I feel like I'm being called to this, but I'm scared. I know we touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, one of the main advices that I used to give them was to get a veil color that matched their hair color. Um, mm -hmm. If it was That's blue. Yeah, because I know that like sometimes it's just the color. If your hair's blue. Um, well, anyways, but I know that like a lot of people str like stress out about that and like their hair color uh, going, it's like their hair's black and they wear a white veil. It like stands out so much more. And yeah. so um, for them, I think that that's like, you know, kind of a point of, you know, being scared of veiling. So what would you say to someone who's maybe struggling with that a little bit? Yeah, well, one of the things absolutely would be what you say is, you know, wearing a veil color that matches more closely to your own hair color. Um, that's definitely a great thing to do. Wearing something simpler um, or wearing like a hair scarf, because those are trendy, you know, wearing hair scarves like as like in like a kerchief sort of style. That's trendy. Mm. Um, so that's a really good, really, really good dip into wearing a head covering at mass without feeling like, oh my gosh, I am standing out big time here, you know? <laughs> um, 
so that's that's a that's a really really good one to do um or just getting something nice and simple um if you're feeling courageous though just go for it you know um and if you do well with with you know jumping into things head first you know just 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 go for it you know but ultimately you know if you need to take baby steps into it that is okay Christ walks alongside you with every baby step you take in faith and he's proud of you for taking those baby steps. Mm. Kind of like a parent is proud of their child when they take their very first steps, you know, they're not like, why aren't you running a marathon already? You know, (laughs) (laughs) they're like, Oh my gosh, you're doing it. Look at you go. Like that's how Jesus looks at us whenever we Mm. take a baby step in faith. Um, And more often than not, we have to take baby steps in faith rather than those big, you know, leaping off a cliff jumps, you know. So true. So, yeah, if you find yourself in that, you just have to walk slowly into it, that you feel called to it, but you just have to walk slowly into it. Do not beat yourself up over it. Um, You are doing just fine where you're at. Just keep asking the Lord for his grace and he will give it to you. And ask the Lord for a receptive heart to be open to that grace. And he will give you the graces to have that receptive heart too. So his grace covers everything. And yeah, I think we just need to remember that more. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And thank you so much for coming on and discussing it with everyone. I'm sure this will help so many people. And um, yeah, I just think this is a really great discussion. Not a lot of people talk about this. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me on. This was so great. Absolutely. And just really quick, where can my listeners find you one more time? Yes. So you can find me personally on Instagram at missionary of beauty. That's all one space or one word, not, not any like underlines or anything like that. Um, so at missionary of beauty, and you can find my veil Instagram at Ave Maria Veilco, also one word. And then on Etsy, the shop is called Ave Maria Veilco. I will warn you, I don't always have a lot up because I put things out in collections and they sell out pretty quickly. But if you set a phone reminder for when the next collection is and you get on right away, you probably can get something. So there you go. So keep that in mind, guys. (laughs) But yes, no, thank you so much, Cecilia. I really appreciate it. And maybe we'll have you back on too. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Amber. Awesome. And with all that being said, guys, I hope that this, uh, I was about to say video, this podcast helped you guys. (laughs) And I will talk to you guys in the next one. All right. Bye, guys. A quest is a search for something. And every week, the Quest podcast will show you how we know what we know through interviews with people that have incredible stories of dedication and perseverance. I'm your host, Todd Fisher. Join me in this thought-provoking and inspiring podcast of discovery. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Father Daniel Duplantis. In the 20th century, a new movement from the Far East captured the Western mind. Since then, the intersection of Christianity and martial arts has generated both conflict and harmony. In between, there remains many gray areas. In my new book, Jesus in the Dojo, I combine timeless theology with modern catechesis to provide a clearer path of reconciliation between the Christian faith and the practice of martial arts. You can find my book, Jesus in the Dojo, available now at most booksellers.